Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. My name is Jolan House, and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. On this episode, we bring on Amy Bloy. So if you listened to the last episode, you know her husband, Brian, already. Amy recently published her book, Between Ballgames, which hits on parenting boys and raising them to be godly men. Here's the conversation. So on today's podcast, uh, we have uh, Pastor Brian Bloy back, and we have his better half, his wife, Amy, with us. Why did you say, why can't we go with the flying, I mean, why why are we we going with Brian? Flying Brian? Yes, Flying flying Brian. Flying Brian Bloy. We like that better than Pastor Brian. Pastor Flying Brian Bloy. Let's go. (laughs) Like, like, you're Pastor Jay, by the way, which is stuck and which is gangsta. Brings a little more oomph to it. I like it. Flying Brian. I'm, I'm going to grab hold of that. Flying Brian. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm always down with that. What do you think so. about that, Amy? How does that make you feel? I like it. Flying Brian. Yeah, it's fun. Does it fit his personality or yes, not? Yes, yeah? completely. Okay. There we go. He's an Enneagram 7, so he's all about adventure. Oh, what is, what, oh what I'm an Enneagram 7. Okay, hold on. Yes, yeah, we're the I same. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? You don't know the Enneagram, the, the, the nine different things. personality oh, traits? No, I, did, I did not know that. What is 7? What is, that? What, is um, what is number seven? Seven is adventure. adventure? Adventurer, futurist, kind of always looking to to have fun and get. sweet. Never heard of that. Maybe we do a show on that one uh, day. I, don't I was just gonna is. say, I bet you will. Because I don't know anything like about it. that. I've never heard. You're of an Enneagram eight. <laughs> What's an eight? An eight. And <laughs> they're eight. laughing. They think it's funny. <laughs> Joan's laughing. An eight is a, is a challenger. An, okay. an eight is someone takes who charge. takes charge. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna. Uh, argue with people you're gonna i don't know make things happen yeah they definitely the, make the things eights happen. are like the presidents of the united states i like amy I mean, went a little the, more positive you went a leaders. little more negative but <laughs> i was I, I was explaining actually to my daughter I, I was like um what did i say to her i said uh you're a contrarian i said you're naturally like me baby you're a contrarian she's like what does that mean and i was like if i say that there's not a cloud in the sky i was like you're looking for a cloud that's how you are. That's just, uh, and, and I said, baby, that's how I'm wired. Yeah. Like, she's like, that's, that sounds negative. I was like, it's not negative. I was like, but you're always looking for, like, if I say my favorite color is red and your favorite color is red, you're probably gonna be like, yeah, my favorite color is blue. Like, that's just how you're made. She's like, well, it just doesn't sound positive. And I was like, well, I mean, just think about it. You always have a comment for everything. You well, kind of just. We will get into the Enneagram on there another day because you're, you're going to learn a lot. Okay. And it's going to open a whole new world for you but today we have amy (laughs) and amy is actually the first female that we have ever had on the family goals podcast so that is that's that's great that is quite an honor our first guest we ever had was jeff foxworthy and now our first female is amy so that's checking off the first you're you're high status (laughs) and amy has written a book for those of you who watch it on youtube between ball games and it is a is a book for moms boy moms is that correct? Yes. It's a book really for, boy for moms. anyone who's raising a boy, but um, specifically geared towards moms. Yep. So, what made you write the book? Um, let's see. I think just having, I have so many crazy stories of my boys growing up. And so many times when they were wild and crazy, I used to think I was going to lose my mind. And so, I jotted down just all these things and I just thought, I'm going to put it all in a book. And just make funny stories and um, and just comments that help 
moms who are raising boys just to know that they're not alone and that they're not going to lose it, that their boys are going to grow up and they're going to be fine. And um, just to give them just little nuggets of wisdom along the way and something that they can relate to. Well, it's a phenomenal book, 33 chapters. There's the discussion guide as well. And we, we talk a lot on this podcast about parenting. To, to me, it's one of the greatest callings in the world that God has called us to be a parent, but it's also one of, one of the greatest responsibilities. Mm-hmm. For such, sure. such a challenge to be a parent. So, Especially at ball games, especially with <laughs> busy lives. So between ball games, what I'm assuming your kids, you have two boys. Right. And I'm assuming they, they played sports. And, they did. And this was between their games. What What is the between ball games? Uh, I think my life was happening between their ball games, <laughs> which was a very short period of time. We sat on bleachers for, gosh, I've sat on bleachers for 20-some years. We're still, mm-hmm. we're still, um, sitting, we're on still sitting on bleachers, and it's great. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, we were at the field for lots of baseball and football and wrestling and all kinds of sports. Golly, two of those, they were in two of those three are miserable, too. It was. <laughs> baseball and wrestling. Oh, I, I love baseball. I love baseball. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the minority. You know, the, the good thing about this book, the good thing about this book, and, and speaking to dads as well, is each chapter is about three or four pages long. And so she, she wrote this book with busy moms, busy people in mind. And I've read it twice. And it, it's a quick read. Like you just mm-hmm. read a chapter and, and it grabs you. There's a lesson. There's several of these chapters. I had tears rolling down my face, partly because they're the, that's the life we lived and stories of our boys. She had to get our boys permission to put all these crazy stories in there, but uh, it's, it's a great, book. what's the craziest story? Well, there's a chapter called I spit on the floor. It's crazy about me losing it, you know, as a mom and with wild boys and just the things that you do, and some moms don't want to admit. So I write all kinds of stuff in there that I did, and then moms can say, okay, well, I'm not the only one. And that's part of it, just for them to be able to say, I'm not the only one. You know, my kids do this too. And and ultimately, our boys were so were so uh, strong-willed when they were little. I just remember with Taylor, our oldest, thinking, if he ever turns out to be a great man, <laughs> I will have to give God the glory for that because I will not be able to take credit as a parent. And so from the very beginning, as a mom, I knew that if my boys turned out to be great, it would be because of God and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be because of me. So this is not a book where I'm saying, I'm a wonderful mom. Let me tell you how to do it. You know, um, I'm saying we're very flawed and imperfect and crazy and our house was funny. And let me just partner with you and say, I've been there too. And I'm with you and you're going to make it. You should tell the story about, about I want to know the spit on the floor now. Like I, okay. I, I just, I need to know. I mean, I know we're going to need to buy the book, but like we need Do some. I want you to tell, I don't know if I want you to tell No, it. you don't want, we don't fly and be like, let's back okay, off, bro. I'll tell it and fly and be going the Ariel Amy. Okay. That's what we're going with over here. I'll tell it and you can be the commentator. All right, let's go. You know, one day I just had enough and, and I just, I didn't, I was never a spitter before. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> that is not what, that's not what I expected. I thought one of the boys were going to be the ones that spit on your floor no, or something. I did. Or a cusser. I was so upset and, you know, being a mom at home, raising these boys and they're, you know, doing what boys do, fussing and wrestling, tons fighting. of energy and not obeying when I said to do something and. They were mad at each other. I don't even remember what happened that day, but it was like many days, and I don't know. I just spit on the floor. So, like, you looked at them and went, "Yes." Like, so they knew you. Like, you hawked a loogie and and just 
No, I did not hawk. Okay, a well, I mean, you spit whatever. <laughs> I just spit, and and, and their eyes got really wide. And when Brian came home, they said, "Dad, Mom spit on the floor." It's like I was being tattled on, like I was the kid, and they were tattling on me. So I mean, he thought it was hilarious, and he said, "What? Did you spit on the floor?" I said, "Yes, I did," and I thought it was a better alternative than. Cussing, you know, other yelling, things going yeah. through my mind. No, I cussed at him too. And so I wrote that in the chapter and, and I felt terrible about it. But when people read this book, most of them have done similar things. <laughs> so, so my wife looked at me. So Nicholas is 13. This was 12. This was last year. This time it was at a basketball game and, um, we're a competitive family. Like it's, it's my, one of my greatest strengths, but also one of my greatest weaknesses. Um, and uh, she looked at me and she said, can I say this to him? And I can't repeat what she said, but she, she was willing to, for the first time, like use a word that she probably would never use. Like my wife's not a swear period, but she was on the verge of that. She was so yeah. frustrated and so upset. Like, and we literally talked through like, can I use that? And I don't know if anybody's ever done that at home, but and I was like, probably going to regret it. <laughs> I mean, I, I told her, I was like, you're probably going to regret it. And she changed, she changed her mind, but there's definitely times when you lose your ever loving mind. Yes. And I'm sure there's, everybody can relate to that. Like they have moments when they, they lose their stuff and wish they didn't. And I think it's important to, and I'm sure it's in the book. I have, I have not had a chance to read it yet. I don't have it yet. Um, but uh, apologizing. I'm sure right. that's, I'm sure that's part of it. Cause like yes. taking responsibility for, when you lose your crap, because yes. I, I heard somebody talk the other day or I heard something, I, I read something about something and um, the guy talked about how he lost it on his daughter and he lost it and, and said things he shouldn't have said and went to a room, knocked on the door and just said, Hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said X, Y, and Z. Like I apologize. And he said a couple weeks later, his daughter loses it and goes nuts and she's older she's 15 16 years old and he said they had it out and it wasn't good and then next thing you know i'm sorry i lost my cool but like he modeled that right like he showed yeah. her like hey this is how you take ownership and they learn to take ownership like that's exactly that's really you good. know kind of our we gotta we gotta own it when we spit right. i guess when we yeah. yeah, I think I, I enjoyed reading the book. Jennifer and I both read, read the book, and it's a great book. I encourage everybody to get it between ball games. But I love the stories. I, I do love the stories, and Davey and I talk about that a lot. Just people remember stories, and I think you you write the book in a way that hey, we're in this together, and and then also you have other moms right who share their their insights as well. I'm fascinated about the fight night. <laughs> I think we, I think we need to share with everybody about fight night, and I think you'd like this, Davy. They had a fight night at their house in their basement. The boys with, with their boys. They're allowed to fight. That's when they were allowed to fight. They've always fought. They were not not allowed to fight. But this story involves Zach's thirteen year old birthday. So I'm gonna let you take over and tell that story. Yeah. So when he was thirteen, we gave him money, and he said what he wanted for his birthday was to buy like real boxing gloves and real headgear. And he bought, like, the wraps for your hands and the mouthpiece. And he said, I want to have a fight night. And we said, okay, well, I guess you can do it. So we said, if you want the guys to come over and fight, 
we have to have permission from their parents. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be a good so idea. So we call all the moms. <laughs> Johnny, how'd you come up with that black eye? It was fight night. What? <laughs> Excuse me? Pastor Beloy's house. Boy. Yeah. So I probably should just read it because I wrote it so much better than I can tell it. But the moms that gave permission, like, they didn't even care at all. They're like, sure, yeah. And I said, like, the guys are going to beat the crap out of each other. That's what we're talking about. And they said, okay, that'll be fine. And so they did. And That is flipping <laughs> awesome. It was just blood on the wall and... Oh. Zach broke his Big friend's nose, and he was a bleeder, so he came upstairs, and he had blood pouring out of his nose, but he had nosebleeds all the time, and so he goes, Mom, no, no, don't make me stop, don't make me stop, we're having so much fun, I promise, I'm fine, and I said, okay, whatever, wow. go, go, and I said, this is probably a low, we see, we're bringing up my low parenting moments That's right what now. That's what we but, want to learn from the low parenting <laughs> moments, that's good, this is awesome. You learn from the good and the bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a, that's flipping awesome. Hey, but I, hey, I, just, so hey I'm, I'm going to try that. By the way, I'm going to try that with my kids. I'm going to oh, try that with I, my friends. Hey, Nicholas is 13. When he turns 14, I'm be like, we're going to have a fight night. I, I think Nicholas might pee Were you all down there watching or were you upstairs? <laughs> we, were, we were upstairs. I mean, you know, it was kind of like we, Zach and I created the rules. The rules were actually written on the wall. Uh, well, yeah, so I love had, that part. Yeah. We had an unfinished basement, you know, a, a room in our, in our, in our basement that was unfinished. We said, this will, this will be where it happens. We had rules on the wall. No low blows. No low blows. I mean, she she called all the parents, and we said, "Hey, knock you knock yourselves out." And that's what they literally did. knock so, yourselves out, fools. They only so, had did one you have fight weight, night. weight classes? No, no, no weight classes. So, well, you know, like thirteen year old boys. They're all thirteen. Some of them are really tall, and some of them are still really little. Our son Zach was really little, and then there were heavy guys and skinny guys. <laughs> Yeah. I like that heavy guys. They're, they're, I appreciate that. <laughs> Us fat people will appreciate that. There was a kid that came upstairs who lit, his nose was broken. It was laying like literally on the side of his face. And I'm just like, you need to go home and, and go home immediately. You know, obviously her, his mom knew he was over and, and, and so, fighting and fighting. <laughs> so, so last two years ago, I did this kid's wedding and I'm standing, I'm standing it with him. And before the wedding starts and I look at him and go, Kyle, your nose is still jacked up, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> Zach broke my nose." You know, he's still it's still like a badge of honor that he had from fight night at thirteen years old. That's so. cool. They were big men that night. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of that in my life. That's a, that's a first. Well, I yeah. don't recommend it. I would love that, it. That's the one. I would love it more than my that's son. What, would. That's, that's the, the story that jumped out to me most about the book because I've I've never heard. I mean, of course, you got the Brad Pitt movie, you know, Fight Club, Fight Club, and that's kind of what I'm sure he's probably trying to repeat in the basement. So. Oh, and now he does MMA, so it's like he's, right. he, well, he, called, he called us last night from Kansas City where he lives, and he's like, yeah, I just joined this MMA gym, and he's telling us about this fight he had with this kid where he kicked him in the head, and I'm like, all right. Oh, gosh. So you're, so he liked it. He li Obviously, he liked boxing. He liked that stuff. Oh, he liked yeah. physical contact. Yeah, I mean. He, he must have liked football, too, then. Mm -hmm. He did. He loved yeah. football. He was just really small, and he, then he ended up wrestling and ended up getting a back injury, which kind of ended everything, but but – you know, our boys both, and I think boys in general, not every boy, obviously, but they're aggressive, you yeah. know, and so we just tried to create an environment where... Well, you also put a sticky note on the bed that said, don't be passive, so... That's exactly Thanks, right. you better be aggressive. That's right, yeah, yeah, and so, you know, we just thought, I don't know if this is great parenting, but it's not sinful, and, um, you know, we're going to kind of control the environment the best we can, but, you know, somebody's going to bleed down here, and they did, <laughs> so, it, you know, and... Never now, forget that. Now we live and, and we, we live and laugh about it. And the kids that were involved, we all joke about it. So nobody. We had one fight night. One, one fight famous night. fight night. The yeah. first and the last. That was one and done. Well, you mentioned in the book that you're, 
that boys like to be warriors. Like, and I know you've probably read Wild at Heart, and uh, you mentioned raising a modern day knight. So there's a lot of these swords, and swords, and action and courage and what. And, that, and I think that's kind of the premise of the book: how, how boys are different than girls. Mm-hmm. You know, and you growing up had the dolls and the, but now now you've got boys that you're raising. So how, right. how did y'all? I get. What are some other ways y'all embrace the warrior fighting other than having fight night? Other than fight club <laughs> at the crib. Oh, gosh. I, I, think, I think things changed for me when I read um, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. Um, one night we were having dinner and Zach was getting ready to spill ketchup all over everything. And we had one of those jumbo ketchup bottles, which is a, title of one of the chapters he was jumbo ketchup on, bottles yeah he was up on his knees you know with the ketchup up under his arm just like trying to <laughs> you know get this ketchup you know to squirt on his hamburger and and I said Brian he's about to spill his ketchup catch you know grab that and he and Brian said oh it's my boy he's a warrior and I said well you're a little warrior he's getting ready to make a mask you know catch it He's like, ah, he's going to be fine. And it just it irritated me, honestly. And he said, you need to read Wild at Heart. I'm like, what? And I thought, I'm a great mom. I'm a great mom. I don't need you to tell me what I need to do. <laughs> right. Shut your mouth. Right. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. So um, he ordered me the book. He ordered the book for me, and I read it. And honestly, it just changed the way that, the way that I just, I was just uninformed. I did not know how God wired men so differently from women and that they all have a question in their heart that says, do I have what it takes? And that ultimately God answers that question for us, right? But we as parents can answer that question. Um, yes, you have exactly what it takes and that boys are created to be wild and crazy, even if they're quiet, introverted, maybe they love computers, they're not into sports, their heart is fierce and God's created them that way, like in his image, because he's a warrior and he's fierce and he's also loving and to realize that and and allow that to be unleashed in little boys is very freeing for mm. a mom, especially a mom who grew up with little sisters. And then I had a little brother who's 11 years younger than me. But um, Well, you didn't grow up with him then. Right, yeah. I didn't. And so I came into, you know, marriage with just this idea of little girls and babies. And I think we can take little boys and try to make them act like little girls, and they're not made that way. They're made to be fierce. It's interesting. I like what you said. I think it was chapter 10, saying yes as much as possible. Now, does that go in with this warrior? But what, what does that mean to say yes as much as possible? Well, I think we, we kind of... I thought about this chapter whenever we were watching our old home movies. Do you remember that, Bri? Yeah. We were watching movies of the boys being little, and they were so cute, and we laughed, and we bought popcorn. But I heard myself on those movies, and the whole time I was saying, no, no, watch out, sit down, do this, do that, be quiet. And I just thought, Amy, just shut up. These boys, (laughs) they grew up hearing me just, no, no, all the time. And I hear moms. I hear moms constantly saying no. And so the, the chapter is just about challenging all of us to, to say no to things that are you know, dangerous, evil, sinful, but not things that just make us uncomfortable mm. as mothers, that we can choose to say yes 
to as many things as we can. So I guess just ask ourselves, is this something I need to say no to? And not allow no to be just an automatic response. You know, that we're just conditioned to say no. But that we want to truly ask God for wisdom and say, what things should I be saying no about? And then when I say no, it's going to be, it's going to be an absolutely no. And there's a reason for it. We're not debating this. Right. And otherwise, we just say yes, you know. I love, you know, I love that. It's a, okay. I, so I have a, a text from somebody that I asked the same question I asked you, like had a 13, having a 13 year old boy and this person's in a leadership role. We'll call him Chris. How about that? Just <laughs> choose a name. Call him Chris. He said, uh, this is for my 13 year old son. And this is the, one of the best advice I've gotten from him. He said, start to choose your nose wisely. Say no less often than yes becomes the no. Say no less often than yes become than yes because the no's you will need to say no to over the next five years need to be reserved for very important hard rule things. Don't waste them in trivial matters. Great advice. Mm. That's really also, good advice. at this age, we feel more than ever. Mom needs to empower him to be a man. Lots of independence, even at 13, so that when he's 18, he knows his mom believes in him as a man more than anyone else. It makes a huge difference. She made, and that's, that's what he said, uh, to him about my wife, but picking your nose because you're going to need them for important, important things down the road. So that made me think of that when, when she said that. That's good. Very, very similar really to good. choose your battles. Yeah. And you can't, you can't stand on, fight on every hill, but you can't die on every hill. Yeah. yeah. Choose the ones that are most important. So, which is hard to do. It's hard to do. I mean, it it's is. easy to, it's easy to, you don't need that. And I, I'll, I'll be honest. I like telling my kids no. I thoroughly enjoy when they ask something, even if I know I can grant it to them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Again, this you might like be with the Leah's story. You're like a control freak? No, I, I like to tell them no because I don't want them to get everything they want. When they ask for something and I could easily give it to them, like, no. Can I go do this? No. I don't need a reason. I just don't. I just want you to be okay and be content. I mean, that's the way I look at it in my heart and in my head. I don't. I just don't want it to, I don't want to always give them everything they want. I don't want them to have everything they want. One of our biggest things with my wife, and we talked about it this morning, was how do we continue to create kids and continue to create struggle in their lives where they're used to struggling? Because we don't have a lot of struggle. And I'm trying to find ways to create struggle. Like, how can I make them struggle so they know that, like, life's going to take some fight, and it's when I, when I face some hard things, I'm going to be ready for it. When I go to college... I'm going to be ready for it. When I go to high school, I'm going to be ready for it. Like, I just, I don't know. I struggle because of this region and where we're at and the you kids need, we have. You need to take your kids on a mission trip. Yeah, I think that would be great. You need to take your family a to a third idea. world country. And, of course, I, when Jolan was 11 years old, I, I took him down to Dominican Republic, and Jolan's been on tons of mission trips. But when your kids see how these other kids are living and the houses they're living in and the things that they don't have, that you're, they'll, they'll appreciate it. When y'all going next? So much more. I think we're going to go to Ecuador this summer. Probably going to go to Ecuador this summer because it, it is open. Yeah. So I took both but, of our boys when they turned seven. I took them on missions trips. And um, I think the antidote to having too much stuff or being greedy or lazy or whatever is just giving. You know, when you've been given a lot, how awesome that God can, can use you to give to other people, to serve other people. Mm-hmm. I remember we, um, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, and my dad was in. Bible college and then went to seminary 
And when, and when I met Brian, I found out that he had a similar story. His dad was in school when he was in high school and both of our families were like getting government cheese. (laughs) And so, so when we weren't, you know, like poor, we weren't struggling and, and we were asking that question, how are our kids going to develop this faith that we developed in those difficult times? And we didn't know what that was going to look like, but surely those times do come and they're individual for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, and then our kids wound up having injuries Zach had a back injury that lasted for a couple years. We took him to 18 different doctors in the Atlanta area. It was very, very difficult. And we didn't have the answers for that. We just had to point him to God and have faith. And one of the things I wrote about was having faith and pointing your kids to faith in God when your faith is small. And so at that point, you know, we had, we had kind of asked the same question, what's going to challenge our kids and make them not be spoiled? And we found out it was the injuries. <laughs> it was way more difficult than I had anticipated. Yeah. I mean, God, God wants to shape your boys, your kids, as much, if not more, than you do. And he is going to allow them to go through tough times. And I think part of the question you asked a moment ago, Pastor Jay, is you know, when we allow our kids to even walk into tough moments or we have to allow our kids to fail sometimes because it's, right. it's when that is happening that God is really doing some of his best work. And we have to be careful to not step in and rescue every single time. And, you know, like our oldest son has, what, 11 broken bones right now? Mm-hmm. Our youngest son did. did. Yeah, did. Like a couple of Not currently. There. No, there, actually, there's a couple that are still there. His nose from Fight Club, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the youngest guy. <laughs> No, our youngest guy still has a, a you know back situation, but you know those are things that God just allows to, ha- to happen. But I think if we're not careful, we can instill fear into our boys mm-hmm. if we don't allow them to just be boys. And it goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast: is you know we, we're creating passive men because we're not allowing our boys to be who God created them to be. You know, Amy t- writes in the book about just everything's a sword. I mean, I remember when we were, when they were growing up, everything, it was a straw. It, everything turned into a sword. It didn't matter what store we walked into. Swords were, it was crazy. Fish sticks. Fish sticks everything were swords. Was, they you know. fought with everything. You know, and, and there's just moments like we're just, they're, they're beating each other up with straws. Well, that's cool. Whatever. They're not going to hurt each other, you know. On the so, podcast, we, we've, we've done entire episodes on the lessons learned from sports. Mm-hmm. And how sports is one of the greatest teachers in life. But some of the ways that Jolin has grown the most, maybe he, he tried out for a, a team and didn't, didn't make that team and, and experienced a, a little bit of failure, a little bit of disappointment, and then help, helping them walk through that season. I think sports sure. is because is, don't, you don't win every game. You don't make every team. You don't win every championship. So how else, with, you said mission field. How else, all three of y'all, y'all, y'all got grown kids. How else, and your granddaughter. Um, her, his lovable granddaughter that obviously is not a granddaughter, still in the house. But um, how did y'all? How did y'all? How did y'all do that? How do How do I do that? How do I create that? How do I find mission field? Take them to the mission field. Like one one person I've talked to said, have them read books about people that come from struggling backgrounds. And so me and my wife this morning actually were putting together kind of a reading list of what we want our kids to read to try to create some of that. But like, how else do I? How else do I do that? How else do I find ways to implement that in my kids or work on it? Yeah, we, we have a ministry that we, we help start downtown called the Love Beyond Walls, and it's a guy named Terrence Lester who deals just 
all the, all day long with homeless people. And few this has been several years ago. We took our boys downtown, and we walked around. Um, it was around the Georgia State campus. But there's some parks and stuff. There's homeless people everywhere. And of course, now it's worse. And we just spent the we just passed spent out the, blankets. Too. Passed out blankets. Yeah. I mean, I watched my boys start taking off clothes. You know, to like like their hats, their gloves. They were giving things away, and you know. I, I think just exposing them to things like that to say, this is going on in the world and God has given you much. And so what role are we going to play with what God's given us to help these people who are the least of these, who are less fortunate? Mm. And uh, so I just think there's just, you know, we again, teachable moments, you know, what what's out there that's available that we can go, hey, I need to take my kids and get involved in that for a day or even more, you know, long-term, whatever that looks like. So th- that's one of the things we did. I think I think you've got to get your kids out of the bubble, and you have to be willing to do the opposite of what you think you should be doing. Because in our minds, we think, well, we're creating this perfect environment for them, but really the best thing for them is to get them out of that environment, exposing them to things like Burkina Faso and third world countries and, and the homeless and, and uh, be willing to get them out of their comfort zone. I think serving is another thing really sure. encouraging them to serve in the local church or, or serve in their community. I mean, one of the things Jennifer and I have, have always done with our kids is we always take them with us, and especially when they get old. So, you know, Dave, if you have a speaking engagement or you're going somewhere, like I love I would love take Jolyn with me because mm-hmm. not only are we getting the, the conversation uh, the way the, there on and the back. way there and the way back, but then he's watching <laughs> me minister to other people, and so that's – and then we have something to talk about. I mean, there's so many times, like even out here on the basketball court, when Jolyn was a, a little kid, we'd be playing basketball, and he would watch me share the share the gospel with whoever we whoever we were playing basketball with. So I, I think always taking them with you and letting them. We talk about it all the time. More is caught than taught. Yep. So for sure, and I think purposefully just being intentional to have them be around great men. It just they they naturally will pick up how to be a great man by being around other men who are great and like boys who are older than them to just to have them hang out together, you know, purposefully. And they kind of catch that. Brian mentioned something in in the previous podcast about trust with your boys and keeping open lines of communication. And and you you mentioned it in the book, but how do you get teenage boys to open up? (laughs) That's a great question. Well, I think what I say in the book a couple times is make food and just listen to them. <laughs> if you listen and cook <laughs> and uh, invite their friends over, uh, don't ever talk poorly about their friends or they won't want to tell you anything. Um, not to try to overreact. If you overreact, then they'll go, gosh, don't tell mom anything else. She's you know losing it. She's going to run straight to the principal or uh, shoot off an email, you know, if we overreact as parents. But if we can just listen, um, be good listeners, and... um, Build a fire. uh, Yeah, that's a good one. For sure, we talked about building a fire. Uh, I think when you build a fire, you just open up conversation and people start talking and you just start listening. Um, We got our build the fire idea to get a fire pit from um, a guy, Brian was at a thing called Life Mapping, where they ask you all these questions about your life, and then it kind of helps steer 
your future life choices through life mapping, which was an amazing thing for Brian. And while we were there, they asked us, you know, what we, what we felt like we we're really good at and what we we're struggling at. Um, and so one of the things that we said we felt like we we're struggling with was just like having like family devotion time, kind of a strict, let's learn the Bible and read devotions because our kids were literally like hanging upside down on their chairs. Like we were just terrible at it. And I grew up with, you know, memory verses that were, we had a little chart and they were on the refrigerator and we used to sing and we would pray in order every night. So that was what I thought family nights were going to be like. And I couldn't even get our boys to I mean, they would pray, but seriously, they have ADD so badly. And this guy said, you guys are going about this the wrong way. It's not even your personality. He said, just build a fire and see what happens. Just listen to them. And then we realized that naturally occurring moments were going to be better than forced moments with our kids. So instead of like, here, sit down, pray, sing the song, um, we just built a fire, and honestly, we did it very intentionally, and we prayed ahead of time, and then we would just sit out there with some marshmallows, and our guys would start talking, and naturally occurring conversation would happen. Of course, we get to bring God into the mix and talk about real things that were really um, on their heart, like things that they were living, and that made all the difference. It really mm. did. I mean, we literally went to Home Depot and bought like a fire bowl, put, mm-hmm. it, put it in our driveway. And just sat yeah. out there with lawn chairs. And I thought you were going to put it in the living room. Well, we we had we had, we had a fireplace, but the fire bowl which worked so much better. But you know, we're not nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right after fighting. Yeah, about yeah. to say yeah. after we threw some hands, <laughs> just never know what we're going to do. Right? No, but I mean, it, and, and, yeah, and, I love and, that. And and I, you know, I've said this earlier. It, learning just to ask questions rather than making statements is powerful. And so, you know, yes. we. We built, we just went to Home Depot and bought a fire bowl and sat out there and, and we said, hey guys, and we had no agenda because as Amy said a moment ago, we were terrible with structured devotions. And, you know, again, our, I just remember our boys hanging upside down off the couch, like guys, you know, just help us here. And, but once we sat there, it was like, we just listened and they started talking and then we prayed for teachable moments and we started asking questions. And the next thing you know, we've had these great conversations. Mm. And so... Those were some of the best moments. That you we had, y'all had a family devotion without them knowing that you exactly. had a family exactly. devotion. Yeah. They had no idea they were being invited into a family it's devotion. A moment. brilliant idea for whoever's listening to this podcast. Yeah. It really is. And pe- people ask, I think the proof's in the pudding, and that, that's why I think your, your book's so good, because your two boys are grown, and they're, they're walking with God, and, and they're very, very successful. And so um, you can write a book about it. You know, the people who haven't done it, it's hard for them to write a book about it. But people always ask me, because um, so far our kids have turned out well. The two older ones, are, are, our younger one, which, which Davey was joking that we affectionately call the grandchild. I mean, the <laughs> verdict's still out on her. But the, the proof is in the, in the pudding. And so people are always asking me, well, well, what family devotions did you do with them? What did? And we weren't great at family, family devotions either. I mean, we, we were good when they were young about, Tuck them in bed and read them a Bible story, mm-hmm. praying with them. But as they got older, it was, it was so difficult. But I think for us, the biz, biggest success is church was our kids' third place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where they hung out. That's that's where their friends were. They never missed. We made church fun, which is one of our ulterior motives in starting Greystone Church. Is we wanted church to be fun mm-hmm. for the kids. And I know your your boys grew up in the church. 
Did they have a hard time being pastor's kids? Is that Was that a struggle for your kids? I did not think that they did. But as they got older, I realized they did. They were in a fishbowl. You know? mm-hmm. um, it, w- it was good. But I, I think I was not aware that they were in so much of a fishbowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of came out later, some of the things that they dealt with at school because they were my son, uh, our, you know, our sons. Um, but, you know, it's, it's led to great conversations over, you know, even over the last couple of years. And, and we've asked both of them, would you trade that? And they're like, no. So, you know, I think it was all part of God using, he used all of it to grow them to who they are today. And, you know, our youngest son's in ministry and our oldest son is a professional baseball player and he looks at his world as a mission field. You know, it's amazing to me, all of the, the, the gospel conversations that he has mm-hmm. in minor league baseball. And so, you know, it was challenging, and we didn't we didn't really hide a lot of stuff from our kids. You know, I mean, we didn't trash the church, trash people, but we 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 didn't. It wasn't every day wasn't a great day in the Bloy House. We were pretty open with, hey, this was a pretty cruddy day. You know, I dealt with some tough things today. Uh, you know, I had to do a really hard funeral. You know, I want you to know how that impacted me. Or, you know, there have been moments like you, Pastor Jay, where. You have been criticized publicly, mm-hmm. you know, and especially like the last couple of years, our boys see all of that. And I've just been very open about how it's made me feel, how it's impacted her. We've just tried to be very honest and authentic with our boys about ministry is a great calling, but it's really tough. And, but, you know, everything we do is a calling, you know, and, and it's all going to have challenges. So, yeah. We we ha- we have a similar story with our with our two older kids. I didn't think it was an issue for them being pastors' kids, but but now that they're older and they've kind of shared some stuff with us, and I think growing up in the fishbowl and having certain expectations on, you know, right. we didn't put the expectation right. on them, but other people do. other people putting the expectation on them because because they were uh, our kids. So held them to a higher standard. Yeah, definitely, and yes. and I think. Joan would say he he appreciates that at this point. Yeah. And it gave him a front row seat to see God do some amazing things that only he can do. And that's something that I am so thankful for, you know, just for our boys growing up in a ministry house, is that we would share with them, look what God did, or we would share, these are our struggles, and then they would see God come through. And that makes all the difference when they see it for themselves, you know, whether you're in ministry or, or not in, in anything. If we just bring before our kids, these are our struggles, and they see us give them to God, and then they watch God work it out. That, was, that made all the difference for our boys growing up, that they got to see it for themselves. Yeah, we didn't hide from our kids either. And then we went, we went through a tough season a few years ago um, where ministry was really hard, and, uh, and it made them... Uh, not want to be in ministry and, and even have a, a negative view of the church or, or, or people in the church. But that's just, that's life. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's perfect in, when we're dealing with imperfect people, and we're, and we're not perfect either. So one of, the, one of the huge discussions we have on the podcast is kid sports. And I'm, I'm curious because, I mean, Taylor is a professional baseball player, and so I know he grew up. Like, travel ball is a huge issue for us, yep. and we've seen travel ball take so many families out of church to the point where they're no longer in church because that became their third place. How did y'all navigate that as pastors that your child was playing these 
travel tournaments, missing church. I mean, that's a huge issue for a lot of families trying to navigate because well, if they don't play travel ball, the rec ball is not good enough, and, and they're not going to make the high school team. There's, there's, there's all these arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we just said here's how much time we can give to this and here's how much we're willing to spend because there's all these different levels. And our, both of our boys love sports. As we mentioned earlier, our youngest son, Zach, had a in, back injury that really ended his sports stuff in high school. It lasted for two and a half years. So that was a tough time for him. But, but they both played travel ball. And we have funny stories about me trying to coach both of them and running from place to place. For some reason, we ended up in Monroe a lot, by the way, playing a lot of, uh-huh. a lot of travel. Criswell Park? Yes, yes. Okay. A, lot of, a lot of tournaments were out here in Monroe. But we just said, this is how much we're willing to do. And I remember when Taylor was in ninth grade, I think I showed this picture to you, Davey. At our tiny, yeah, we, he was five foot, eighty-two pounds. Tiny. We were we were up in Ann Arbor at a Michigan football game, and he said, "Dad, I want to play professional baseball." And I'm just looking at him like I don't want to squelch this dream. But I told him, I said, "God's going to have to come through for you for obvious reasons, and you're going to have to outwork everybody." And here, here's what I tell people about travel ball. First of all, don't lose yourself in this, and don't go into crazy debt where you bankrupt your family for this. I have met uh, so many kids whose parents are just overzealous when it comes to sports, and then their son or daughter get to their junior, senior year of high school, and they quit, and the parents are devastated. And it's because it wasn't their dream. It was mom and dad's dream. And the other part of this is we, we have, now that our boys are out of the house, we've watched so many couples pour themselves into their kids to where they lose themselves. And then their kids end up leaving the house, go to, go to college, or they go into the workplace. And, and mom and dad, are there's, there's nothing there. They lost it years ago. And they lost it chasing their kids around, pouring everything into their kids. And, you know, there, there's something about generations. You know, Jonathan, I think you're, you're, our generation, when I was 18, I was on my own. You know, if my dad was at my game, who was a great dad, by the way, I was like, it was a bonus. I mean, we this generation, us... Mm-hmm. Our generation, we're at everything. Practice. Like, yeah. We're wanting to give our kids everything that we, we didn't have. And it's over the top. And we've lost that balance. It's like we've completely shifted. And so, you know. Well, also a lot of people think that they they didn't succeed because their parents weren't like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I have a I had a good buddy that he was literally like, I, I didn't make it further in basketball because my dad didn't get me an X, didn't get me in Y. And he's he's. Killing his kid. Mm-hmm. He's killing his kid. We swing the other way. He sometimes. swings the other way, and he's thinking that's the only way, and his kid doesn't like it anymore. Yep. I mean, legit doesn't. I, I promise you, we'll never make anything of himself because he hates it. Mm-hmm. Like, he absolutely can't stand playing because his dad has made him do so much stuff. But also with the, the, the marriage, uh, he told me he was like, li- the exact quote was, no, we're really good when it's just us. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? Like, we'll, we'll pick it back up when, when they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Like, you, you, you can't just take 16 years and throw it away and go, yeah, we'll pick right back up where we were. That, that's not the way it works. And unfortunately, they're going through a divorce now. Yeah. Um, because but, we change. I mean, yes, we change. We're our, always our, changing. Our lives change. We change. I yeah. mean, we're always, and, and if we're not changing together, then when that happens 16 years later, all of a sudden we look at each other and go, I don't know you anymore. We have yeah. to keep having fun together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, David, you played high-level sports. You played college tennis. I played college baseball. You know, and, you know I listen to the stories that, that our oldest son tells us about minor league ball. He's been, in, he's been in minor league ball for the last four years. And parents want so much to push their kids into environments that they spiritually can't handle. 
I'm thankful that our older son is at a place spiritually where he can, he's been able to handle, but I'm telling you what, that the, there's a world of sports out there that most of our kids, if they actually made it to where we were pushing them towards, they would be derailed spiritually, whether it's college sports or minor league sports, whatever it looks like, because the pressure, not only to succeed, but then the things that go along with it, you know, the sinful things that are in, included in all of that. Which is wa- a lot. We have watched kids, either they go into college sports or they go into, you know, professional sports, and they get derailed spiritually, just derailed, because that's what we put all of our focus and energy into, was getting them to that place. And they weren't, you know, instead of preparing them spiritually for life, we prepared them for sports. And we've left the spiritual aside, and they fail. And then we scratch our head and go, what just happened here? So... I saw a quote the other other day, and I and I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was something like point zero 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 percentage of your kids are going to be professional athletes, but one hundred percent of them are going to come face to face with God. I saw that. My wife sent it to me. It was awesome. And it was yeah. like, get your kids to church, and, uh, and 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 in the end, like we we want all, all the things I'm talking about. I want my kids to be able to handle adversity. I want my kids to be able to not be spoiled and grow up and do X, Y, and Z. In the end, they have a chance if they have Jesus to get all of that. And God's going to help them with all that. God's going God's to take care of them and, and protect them and guide them. But if you don't have that, it's going to be exceptionally more difficult. It's going to change everything. So we want to teach them all those things, but if we're not teaching them the most important thing, they, they really don't it's it, you talk about not having a shot they don't have a shot that that gives them a shot to get everything I mean they can they can develop all those good uh, attributes and characteristics that we want from them to develop but if we're only worried about those attributes and in a human perspective and getting this and getting that and getting that then it's going to be it's going to be a lot more difficult I think God has a unique calling on on every, everyone's life and our job as parents is to help help our kids discover what it is that, that God has called them and gifted them to do. Of course, the world we live in, people put professional athletes on a pedestal or, or movie stars or rock stars. Um, but one of the things that I always go back to is, is what do I want my kids to be like when they're 40 years old? Mm. And what's really most important, are, are they walking with God? Are, are they a godly husband, a godly wife? Are they passing on? Are they raising their kids in church and leaving a leaving a godly heritage. And, and to me, what drove a lot of my decisions when my kids were, were in, in middle school and high school was what I want them to be like when they're 40. And, and what's, what, instead of making the decision for what's best for this weekend or this season or whatever the case is. And I asked my, I asked my son this question, and I, and I challenged some of my buddies to ask the same thing. I said, because I asked him before bed one night, I, I just sat him down and I was just talking. We were just talking back and forth. And I said, if I could give you one thing, buddy, like money, power, fame, professional athlete, like whatever I could give you. If there's one thing I could give you in eight years, you think when you're when I, in eight years, buddy, and you're out of this house and you're doing your own thing. I was like, if I could give you one thing. I said, what do you think I'd want that to be? I asked him that before bed. And I was terrified, by the way. I was absolutely terrified of what his answer would be. But that's a, I think that's a great question to ask your kids and kind of, you know, you talk about the spiritual th- thermometer. You've been talking about that in a couple of messages, and we've talked about that. And he, um, 
and just ask your kids that question and see what they say. And listen, a lot of our kids, they're trained. They know how to answer questions. They know what the, what the church answer is. Um, but like ask them, like, if I, if I could give you one thing, what do you think I want from you? What do you think I really want to give you for when you're 30, when you're 40? And hopefully it lines up with our actions, right? Like hopefully it lines up with how we're, we're parenting and what we're saying. And, but I think it's a, it's a good question or it could be a bad question, but it's a question to ask. Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian and Amy, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank I'm you highly, for us. well, I'm highly recommending between ball games, Amy Bloy. Where can you buy the book? You can get it on Amazon. 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 Everything's on Amazon. Everybody, <laughs> Amazon's taking over. So all the you world. need is Amazon. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to shop any other way. I literally don't. I'm just like Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. I need a frying pan. Amazon. I need a baseball bat. Amazon. Well, go get between ball games. Love, love the book. Thank you and so much. Uh, and I think it means so much to me because I, I do know your your boys are walking with God, and, and the proof the proof is in the pudding. So. Appreciate y'all spending some time with us on the podcast. We've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I just love that idea of starting a fire and creating an environment for your kids to open up and to not force conversations, but allow them to happen naturally. Only a tiny percentage of kids will actually make it in professional sports, but 100% of them will come face to face with the God of all creation. So are we training them in sports or are we training them spiritually? What do you want your kids to be like when they're adults? We highly encourage you to go get Amy's book, Between Ballgames, especially if you're parenting boys. You can get it now exclusively on Amazon. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals podcast, and we'll catch you next week.